Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. In addition to all the obvious topics from CM Punk being fired from AEW, reviewing Payback and All Out from last weekend, etc., etc., we also have another exclusive interview here today with Impact Wrestling star Josh Alexander, the former Impact World Champion, former Impact X Division Champion, and the opponent coming up on Friday at Victory Road against Steve Macklin. So Impact's got two great shows coming up this week, and it can't make it to the Friday show, which is Victory Row, the show that we're primarily talking about today, facing a very familiar foe in Steve Macklin. The match that was supposed to happen back at Rebellion for said Impact World Championship. Uh, Josh got hurt. Match couldn't happen. Steve got hurt soon after. They're both back, facing each other one-on-one in their first respective singles matches back in Impact, coming up on Friday, so that should be a great match. On Saturday, in the same venue in White Plains, New York, they're recording their thousandth episode of Impact Wrestling, which Josh will also be a part of, obviously. So we have a lot to talk about here today between all of that stuff. And then obviously on the back end of the show, we'll talk with Mr. Marceau and all things CM Punk, All Out, Payback, like I said, etc., etc. Enjoy my exclusive interview with the walking weapon himself, Josh Alexander. Graham Juice and Matthews here, Bleach Report, fan side, and Wrestle ran ahead of Impact Victory Road coming up on Friday, September 8th. One of the featured matches on the show, the returning Josh Alexander taking on familiar foe Steve Macklin. Josh, what's going on, man? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great, man. You know, back in Impact Wrestling, just back in wrestling in general from this injury off to the races, and, uh, you know, feels like I never left. So, I mean, this is the first singles match you've had in a couple months. We've seen you back in a couple tag matches, obviously, between Multiverse United and the most recent event, Emergence, obviously. First singles match back against, like I said, a familiar foe and someone like Steve Macklin. Uh, and just being off for a couple months, what was that period like for you? Just being gone for so, for so long after being the wrestling machine that you are, after wrestling so consistently for so long? Uh, it, it sucks. <laughs> just to, to put it plainly. Uh, yeah, man, like you, you take away this thing that, you know, is my identity. The one thing that, you know, I find some solace in that I get to do all the time in front of crowds that gives me fulfillment and you take it away in an instant because of an injury and you got to sit at home on your couch and watch, you know, all your friends and your peers and everyone else do it. And, you know, it eats away at you, but, uh, you know, it's just about keeping mental focus and uh, doing the rehab, taking the steps, taking the time and, you know, making sure that you come back healthy so that you can perform at the same level, if not better than before. Are there any positive takeaways that you can take away from being gone for so long and like just giving you kind of just going off what you just said, just an added perspective as far as like, all right, I may not be in the game for right now, but in this time away, I could take this positive element for my time off just being away for a couple of months. Uh, there's two positives. Uh, I got to spend a whole lot of time with my boys, and my wife and my family, you know, uh, staying home all the time and stuff like that. Got to do stuff on weekends I otherwise wouldn't get to do, uh, you know, so the better part of the past five months, I've really soaked that in, which has been awesome. But uh, the other the other side of it is just as a professional wrestler, having this bird's eye perspective of what's going on, getting to watch the product week in, week out and watch, you know, specific matchups and specific people in the company and know that hey uh, like they're doing this this way i think i would do this this way and learning from what you're seeing so that when i come back you know hopefully that you've learned from those things along the way and taken the time properly so that you can you know use all those tools once you finally step in the ring with those people and get in those uh circumstances in the ring and it's weird too because you weren't gone for that long it was only a few months but it feels like the landscape of the company as far as the people at the top of the show in the main event scene has changed not drastically but we have alex shelley now as the world champion kushida's around more consistently macklin was there in the time that you were gone he also got her and is now back and you guys are having your match so it's like there's so much so many different moving parts did you expect to be gone for as little as you were it was only like two or three months no no it was it was uh four months 
to my my return at Slammiversary. Okay. And my return in ring action at Impact Wrestling, it's been five months, which, you know, falls right inside the window I was given when I had that surgery in mid uh, March. Um, they, they said four to eight months from the very get go. And, you know, it stuck in my mind that like that four month window between month four and month eight seems really big. So I'd really like to shorten that down to be closer to the four than I am to the eight, uh, you know, without putting myself in any further risk of re-injuring myself, obviously, but it's just, uh, yeah, doing the rehab, you know, making sure that you're as strong and healthy as possible. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be one of the surprises at Slammiversary coming out and as you said the landscape has changed but uh i never lost that world championship so no matter who holds it even if it is alex shelley you know that that's who i came out and tried to make a statement against and you know uh, i'm sure that'll come to pass eventually but first you know uh, september 8th victory road i got steve macklin like you said and that's a guy i've been chomping at the bit to get in the ring with you know for the better part of the past couple of years I, i've seen him really climbing the ladder in the company you know through hard work and all these other things and he's become a homegrown guy for this company much like myself so uh, i know that he's looking forward to it i'm looking forward to because you have these two different homegrown talents that are about to collide and uh, i think it's going to be something special yeah i think so too it's cool because obviously unfortunately I had to miss that moment in rebellion with the world championship on the line in canada a year to the event from when you became champion you know that speaks for itself obviously as far as the what you had to go through to miss that and now being back this event also being in or not this isn't in canada this is actually new york coming up next friday victory road just talk about that and how much more this match means with a different dynamic as far as no championships on the line, but you guys, like you said, you guys go way back. That match was a long time in the making going into rebellion earlier this year, no titles on the line. Obviously if you win, it puts you a, a step closer towards that championship. Like you said, towards championship contention, does that add a different dynamic to you as so as, as far as something else to focus on? It's about the bad blood between the people involved and not just fighting for a championship. I think the bad blood only gets worse with the time off and the time away, because you know, the last time I was, in an impact ring before my return to Slammiversary. That was when I was handing over that impact world championship, yeah. which was one of the toughest things I've had to do in my entire career. And Steve was in the ring that time. And, you know, my family came out with me to support me and Steve, you know, called me a coward to my, my four-year-old son and all these other things. So, you know, the bad blood only rises as you go and to see him go on and win the world championship that belonged to me, that, that, you know, didn't sit well and then seeing him lose it. And then when he tried to regain it, tearing his groin and having to step away. Now we're both coming back from injuries. I'm coming back from my first singles match at victory road. And it's going to be against Steve. He's coming back his first singles match since tearing his groin. And I think, you know, it adds an added level of, you know, a chip on each of our shoulders to show mm -hmm. that, you know, we're back, we're better than we were before, you know, and, uh, you know, there's no better way to show that to, to, you know, him try to like upend me being the guy that held that championship the longest than anybody in company history, somebody who's been, you know, out around as being the face of the company, all this stuff, a spot that he wants. And me, you know, just seeing him on this meteoric rise the past year and a half, especially, you know, just really gunning for me the entire time. I got something to prove, too, that, you know, he even though he wants my spot, I'm not going to give it up without a fight. So I think a lot of people figured when you I mean, I at least I did when you got hurt and had to vacate the championship, it would make the most sense. Or a lot of people expected when you come back that you immediately just go for the championship, whether it be Macklin is champion, Kushida is champion or now Alex Shelley is champion. But like you said, you're not doing that. You're working your way back up by first working with Macklin, settling that score from a couple of months ago. And it works out that he's clear to return just in time for this show, a lot like you. And then from there, who knows? It could be the next show you face, Alex Shelley. It could be months down the road. It could be bound for glory. Do you like the fact that it's not like instant satisfaction or gratification for you and the fans as far as giving us what we want right away and instead kind of building towards it a little bit because i feel like that long-term storytelling so to speak is something that impact has done really well and excelled at these last couple of years yeah well if you remember back like for me losing the moose at bound for glory yeah. after defeating christian it took me what was it six or seven months to get my title rematch with Moose finally at Rebellion. And, you know, if you look at hindsight at the time, people were like furious about it. I was furious about it. You know, I had to get my emotions in check and all these other things, but the payoff was that much sweeter. So now, you know, learning from that, you know, and applying it to this, you know, I, I do have a score to settle with Steve Macklin. It's not about the championship. It's just, you know, who the better man is. And that, that that's a good story to, to tell all on its own. And I know that championship's going to be waiting for me. You know, that shot is always there. And I'm being more patient this time and, you know, trying to trying to not let those emotions get the best of me and run into things full bore because like, somebody like Alex Shelley or, you know, 
if he loses that championship, who knows? But like someone like Alex Shelley, especially, he's just like he's so skilled at pro wrestling. He's got so much experience more than anybody else in this company has been here the longest. And, you know, to go in there full bore, you know, that would probably work to my detriment. So uh, I'm going to handle the things that are lingering in the back of my mind first. This, uh, this score, I have to settle with Steve Macklin and yeah, uh, all focus goes on that world championship. Yeah. And there's just so many different people surrounding that championship picture right now between yourself, Macklin, who I don't think ever got a championship rematch in his own right either. So that's something that they can revisit eventually as well. Alex Shelley, Moose is still in the conversation. Kushida's in the impact ranks right now, in the X Division uh, ranks right now. There's a lot of different people that can go for that championship at any given time. Uh, with that being said, is it hard to narrow down? There's always this conversation, all oh, the four pillars of that, the four pillars of this. Is it hard to narrow down like four pillars of impact, including yourself, including the women as well? We just had emergence last week where the women headlined the show and rightfully so and had a great match, that being Trinity and Deanna. With such a stacked roster, and I think people sleep on the stacked roster that is impact. Is it hard to narrow down, including yourself, four pillars of the promotion right now? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think it's only getting harder and harder as time goes on because I think this roster has grown. You know, it, it continues to grow exponentially. But, you know, over the past four and a half years that I've been here, it has only continued to grow. And there's only been more people in that conversation as time goes on. And, you know, you 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 almost overlook somebody like Alex Shelley or you overlook somebody like Chris Saban because they've been around for so long and they seem to have done it all. But, you know, at any given time, those people can step into the conversation and they deserve to be in the conversation. So you, you add that with somebody like Ishida, someone like Leo Rush, Steve Macklin, myself, Moose, Brian Myers, like uh, I'm going to run out of breath trying to name all these people, but, you know, uh, and then you, you just look further down the card to that, the exhibition ranks, like, you, you have like the Mike Bailey's and you have the Trey Miguel's and you have all those people that are like just highlighting that X division scene, which is something that I did before I cash in option C to, you know, level up to being in the heavyweight or the world championship conversation. So at any given time, and I think anybody's ready to step up, there's a lot of people with something to prove in this company because that's what people do here. They either come from another company to re, you know, rebuild themselves and, uh, you know, show a different part of them, show what they're capable of. Someone like Steve Macklin, who came from NXT in the past, or you're, there's people like me and Trey Miguel and Mike Bailey, who have never been to another big company. We started out here. We built a name for ourselves right here. But, you know, you're never you're never done with that until you climb to the top of the mountain, as they say in Impact Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I guess going on, going off that, answering that same question, is that the true, I guess it's kind of hard to narrow it down to one true identity for impact, but I feel like it's a lot of different things. Like you said, people coming from elsewhere, you never know who might pop up and who might be competing for a championship or whatever. It could be a one-off. It could be for four or five years. Some people stick around for a lot longer than people think. Uh, but between that, new stars getting their rise, I and mean, some of the biggest stars in any major promotion today came from impact. We're seeing that right now in impact with people kind of getting their start. Is that what kind of going off what you just said, what you feel the identity of impact right now is in addition to just great wrestling every week, storytelling that we're seeing every week. Like, again, like I said earlier, consistent storytelling. I feel like if I had to sum up impact in one word, it would be consistency because I feel like week after week, everything carries over. Everything makes sense. It's the quickest two or three hours of wrestling you can watch, including Victory Road next week. Yeah, I've always called impact wrestling the land of opportunity. And that's kind of what it's always been. I watched this as a fan since 2002, and I've always kind of seen it this way. You have these people, like in the early days, it was the AJ Styles and Samoa Joes, and these people that came here made a name for themselves. And now their marquee talents featured around the world, you know, as some of the biggest stars that you could know. But then there was also people like Christian who had never had a world championship that came here to prove everybody wrong that, yes, I can be a top guy. I can be a world champion. I can be the face of a company. And the same goes today. You know, uh, you know, me being kind of walking in the footsteps of the likes of Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. And then you have people like Brian Myers or Dango or all these other people that are coming from those other companies coming here and they're rebuilding themselves and showing a different side than they ever showed before, showing that they're more capable of everything. And that's just opportunity is the only thing you can ask for as a pro wrestler and impact is full of opportunity. Yeah, no, most definitely. And as we wind down here as well, not only next weekend do we have Victory Road, but the taping for next Saturday, Impact 1000. You mentioned you've been watching essentially since 02. You know the TNA days, all the Impact days. There's some people in the company right now. We talk about the present and the future. Some of those people have been a big part of the past as well between Motor City Machine Guns and Eddie Edwards and Moose and people like that. In addition to yourself for the last couple of years, with this show coming up, and we have a slew of stars announced for Impact 1000 next week, the 1000th episode. When you hear 1,000 episodes of Impact Wrestling, what does that mean to you? It's tough to wrap my mind around it because, 
you hear a thousand, you're like, oh, you know, it either seems like a, a lot or not that much. But like you do the math and that's 20 years of 50, 50 shows a year, you know, week in, week out, just hammering it through. And um, it's amazing because, you know, people have written off this company several times in the past, but it's always, you know, the little edge in that could. And it's always been propped up by, you know, the best talent in the world. And I, I think it's no different. We're going to get to see that at the thousandth episode because you have people like Awesome Kong coming back and stepping foot in the ring, which is personally what I'm most excited about on the thousandth episode. But like also Gail Kim, you know, the, the greatest knockout of all time, Hall of Famer coming back, stepping in the ring, which is blowing my mind. And, you know, just other things like team. 3d teaming up for the first time in seven years it's going to be something special and i i don't think you know with everything announced i don't think they're done with uh what they're going to be doing at the tna one or the impact 1000th episode to make everything special so you know keep your eyes on that it's going to be a hell of a show yeah no there's announcements coming out every day and it's like one is more exciting than the other it's like i thought it was already big enough and then you hear you know the team 3d is going to be then then you hear awesome kong's coming back in the ring and then gail kim's returning to the ring and then they're teaming together and it's stuff announced daily like you said a lot of stuff to look forward to as we wind down here last question for you josh i'm sure you've answered it before but we talk about impact 1000 you've been a tna fan what's like a realistic or maybe even unrealistic dream match for you from someone from tna's past or impact past i guess present as well but specifically the past since we are celebrating a thousand episodes in a dream match scenario that you would want to face I mean, if I could manifest anything that is possible to happen, like my, my number one would obviously be Kurt Angle, but I, I think those days are long gone. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, you know, somewhere down the road in the next couple of years, if it is possible. Uh, I think the walking weapon, Josh Alexander headlining, you know, bound for glory or slammiversary or something versus AJ Styles, the man synonymous with, you know, the first 10 to 15 years of impact wrestling in general, you know, the, the two figureheads of the two different eras, I think would be a hell of a matchup. Can't go wrong with either one. But before then, we got Victory Road coming up next Friday against Steve Macklin, Josh Alexander, familiar foes, obviously looking forward to the match. It should be great. The match we were robbed of back at Rebellion in April. We're getting it next Friday at Victory Road. I'm looking forward to it. Josh, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with all the continued success. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. Big thanks to Josh for the time. You can also check out the video version of that same interview over on my YouTube channel, WrestleRant on YouTube, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. You know where to find me. Uh, that should be up at some point, either probably Friday, either today or Friday. The article version of that same interview, also available in written form over on dailyddt.com, coming up soon. Check it out when you can. And now we move on, talking about everything else going on in the world of wrestling. Mr. Marceau joining me as always. I say as always, but we actually missed last week, or was it? No, you were. No, we talked last week. It was the end we of the show. Last week. I actually had to skip out early last week. <laughs> that was the issue last week. Dude, listen, the last couple of months have blended together. I don't know what weeks you haven't been with me. I don't know what weeks you have been with me. But it's always a great time when you are joining me. Uh, it, it was a perfect week to join me, and I'm glad we're recording this on Wednesday. So obviously no dynamite talk from Wednesday night. That hasn't happened yet. But there's no shortage of topics to get to. Between the CM Punk departure over the weekend, not one, but two different pay-per-views, all out and payback, two very good shows overall. A good time to be a fan right now. Maybe not Maybe not a great time to be a fan of CM Punk. We're going to get into that. Mr. Marceau, how you doing? How was your uh, wedding weekend? It was very busy, and this week has been pretty busy already, so we're doing well, though. <laughs> hey, listen, what else is new? The sky is blue. We're here talking wrestling here on the show. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, it's already September. This is our first September show. Crazy shit. It's already the month of September, and uh, in a month from now... 10-year anniversary of the show. We already celebrated 500 episodes of WrestleRant Radio a few months back. And coming up next month, in uh, early October, celebrating 10 years of WrestleRant Radio. Not to remind ourselves of how old we've gotten in the last 10 years, but uh, crazy how much time flies. But we'll get to that when we get to that. New episodes every single week, dating back to the first ever episode in October 2013 on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com iTunes, we're on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episodes every single week here on all the usual podcast platforms. Mr. Marceau, we got to get into the biggest news of the week. That being CM Punk's departure, we're almost a week removed from it now. Uh, the news first broke on Saturday, mere hours before a collision in Chicago. It was quite the collision for sure for the crowd, but... You know, ended up being a pretty team weekend as far as the crowd reactions go. Pro-punk, anti-punk, whatever. Seemed like they kind of got that out of their system before the shows went live. So much to discuss. 
because uh, so much has already changed since last Thursday. We heard on Monday, I think, from Justin Barrasso, Sports Illustrated, credible source. He said that Punk is probably, people are expecting on both sides, a response from Punk at some point. It might be soon. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next month. It could be next year, for all we know. It took him... 10 or so months to finally come out about his old WWE departure back in late 2014. So it could be very similar. We might not hear from Punk on this legally or otherwise until that actually caused legal issues. Legal issues were not preventing him from talking back in 2014. That was his own choice. Um, It might be a while before we hear Punk's side of things, but we've heard enough from Punk's side reportedly per Nick Hausman from uh, House of Wrestling and, and sources like that, Fightful, PW Insider, constantly coming out with uh, new things. I feel like I've, I've read a CM Punk post online every day for like three or four months since he was on his way back to AEW, coming back to AEW, being back in AEW, and it's all usually, <laughs> it's usually pretty negative. And now we're hearing WWE stuff. Before we go any further, Mr. Marceau, gotta ask the most obvious question. Your reaction to CM Punk's departure from AEW last weekend. Um, I'm not shocked, honestly. I feel like I saw rumblings after the whole all-in scuffle or whatever you want to call it. I feel like, it, not that it was, like, definite, but I feel like the, the chatter had kind of gained some momentum that, like, this could be, like, his final straw with the company. I just feel like, I don't know, I just, I feel like once it got to that point, I, I didn't really see going, like, what are you going to do, just suspend him again, and then we're going to do this in another year so. I think the deci- it was, like, the right decision at the time. I mean, I feel like this could have been fixed last year when the whole brawl out happened and it just never got taken care of. But, I mean, at this point, there's clearly differences between the locker room. Like you said, they had to create a damn show to kind of fix the issues that were going on just momentarily. So, not surprised. I mean, I think this is very pre- preventable and it's people kind of aren't really – glossing on that. I think they're kind of starting to harp on that on Tony Khan. Like, this was so preventable and it just, he just did nothing about it. But, I mean, once it came out and I saw the news, it wasn't, like, overly shocking. So, not surprising, but what you're saying is they made the right call. Correct. I completely agree. Listen, we had this discussion a week ago, so I'm trying not to repeat myself here. Literally seven days ago. Did I think they would actually let go of him? No, I didn't. I honestly did not think Tony Khan would do what needed to be done in letting go of CM Punk. You will not find a bigger CM Punk mark out there than Tony Khan. I mean, myself as well. Listen, I'm a big CM Punk fan. (laughs) I'm throwing a swerve in there because you know I was probably going to say me, but no, I think Tony Khan is a little bit more of a mark for CM Punk than I am. If he's going out there making his return on Collision back in June, and from multiple sources reporting, Tony Khan and Gorilla chanting CM Punk's name as he walked to the back. Don't think it was the same scenario, the same situation, the same scene when he was beating up Jack Perry at All In uh, about a week and a half ago. Coming off that incident, the guy had to go. And listen, there's other stories that have come out. I read the Regal one, which apparently was true. I mean, I found it very hard to believe when I first read that just because I thought him and Regal were not necessarily close-close, but I knew Regal played a part in Punk getting his foot in the door in WWE and helping train him. So I thought they were pretty cool with each other. But I guess not if Punk didn't shake his hand when Regal literally first arrived in the company a year and a half ago. Now, the question is, why the fuck would that come out now and not a year and a half ago? That's just piling on. That's just silly. I'm not excusing the situation. But, I mean, that alone isn't the reason for why he's gone from AEW. And that's also not the reason why William Regal has gone from AEW. That was made pretty clear. But they had to do what they had to do. Tony Khan... Love CM Punk. He wanted CM Punk, Mr. Marceau, from the get-go. You go all the way back to 2019. You heard the stories then. The elite in Tony Khan, probably specifically TK, wanted Punk in the company. But this even predates AEW. Last week celebrated five years since the first All-In show. Literally last Friday. They wanted Punk on that show. The Bucks talked about it. Cody talked about it. On two different occasions, they wanted Cody, or they wanted Punk for All-In. And they wanted him for the first all-out in 2019. And on both occasions, Punk, I went back and read the excerpts of the interviews he was doing with ESPN at the time. He specifically said, and he also spoke with Ariel Hawani about it, that they did not make him an offer. They kind of made it sound like, and this is his side. Cody later said otherwise. But Punk said at the time, I don't like doing business over text. And they kind of fumbled the bag. They kind of dropped the ball by doing it over text instead. of. I mean, Cody said that someone met him at a coffee shop. 
I don't know, Punk kind of made it sound like, oh, do you want to do this at the pay-per-view? Instead of offering, hey, listen, this is the amount of money that we can offer you. Do you want to come on and, and do something? And it was, Punk wasn't really flattered by that. It really wasn't until TK got involved himself. And it wasn't the elite that brought him to AEW. It was Tony Khan. Tony Khan bringing him back into wrestling in 2021. Amazing moment at the United Center two years ago. One of the greatest returns in wrestling history. In the meantime, though, you have all this shit going on backstage. And I tweeted this the other day. I was listening to his first scrum back. He was doing a media call the first night he came back in the first dance in Chicago uh, on Rampage. And he made the comment that when Brody Lee passed away, what really impressed him about the promotion was the fact that no one leaked anything about Brody's health status before he passed. A lot of people apparently in the company knew about Brody in the fact that he was in the hospital. Maybe not the fact that he was going to pass away, but a lot of people knew that he was not in... Uh, great health even at that point, and, and he was in the hospital for a while. Not a single person leaked that. It was a shock to everyone online when he passed away a couple months later. And he was impressed by that. He was impressed by the lack of leaks. But now they have more leaks than a fucking faucet in this company. I mean, even Punk himself, we hear stuff from his side, whether it be Punk or someone close to him, is leaking stuff on the daily about his transportation issues, like anyone gives a shit. I mean, that was its whole other own issue, but... I mean, man, uh, let me ask you this. What went wrong? What what happened between two years ago when he first comes in the company? Happy-go-lucky, loving wrestling again, getting along with the elite seemingly on television, happy to be back, fuck WWE, like he was super pro AEW, sitting there, smile, you know, side-by-side, side, smiling with Tony Khan. What happened between then and now to get us to this point? I don't know. I, I that's it's like such a hard question to answer because I feel like everything was fine, and then it's just like once he kind of came in, I feel like the league started to come out. Like I don't know if it was just the young bucks or the elite, or they just weren't happy with him, or like they clearly wanted him. I feel like in, but maybe they just didn't gel, or they didn't really know who he really was. They kind of just knew like the aura of CM Punk. I don't know. Like I just feel like leading into that brawl out issue, like there was a ton of issues going on that just like. I don't know if they didn't get resolved or there just was some like disagreement there. And it just like led into like this big leaking fest and people not getting along and just kind of like a whole shit storm. And that led into that. And ever since then, it just never got any better. And you had like hangman putting his two cents in and it just like kind of came out of nowhere, but then it just blew up. It seems like that it kind of became clear after a while. And it's obviously evident now, but maybe he didn't know this when he first came there that environment is not conducive to who CM Punk is. And that falls on both sides. I'm not saying Punk is not to blame here, because he absolutely is. We have spoke about this before. We talked about it last year. I think, and again, I could be wrong, but someone thought, whether it be within the elite or someone that they're friends with that was leaking the shit a year ago, and the dirt sheets, quote-unquote, have a lot to do with part of the problems as well, leaking stuff that's not true and putting every side out there. Why the fuck do we have to hear from Nick Hausman about, oh, his trans... Like, who gives a shit about Punk's transportation? Like, no one asked. No one cares. I don't think that's really all that relevant. It might be relevant in the sense where he walked into that building at All In and he was frustrated for a reason. I mean, I guess, but I mean, it didn't seem like in those pictures that he took with fans, which, you know, he took a picture with every fan that asked him for a picture, which he doesn't have to do. Uh, he didn't seem too upset in those pictures, but anyway... Um, that's part of the problem. It, it, it just doesn't really seem like when he came to AEW, he understood how it works there in terms of it being seemingly very clicky. Now, WWE's backstage environment, he also hated for different reasons. It seems like everyone there was walking on eggshells, whereas in AEW, no one has any fear. I don't want to say no respect, but no one really seems like they're all that afraid of Tony Khan and anything that he's going to do. They can kind of get away with whatever they want. And AEW, the greatest thing about the company is that they let people do what they want. Like, they have their own creative ideas, and they have freedom. The worst thing about AEW to me is that they let people do what they want, and there's no real limitations. That goes for the matches. I said this last week when we spoke about it on the phone. Why the fuck would no one step in during that Orange Cassidy and Penta match uh, in the main event of Dynamite, which was a good match? They have a million producers backstage, as does WWE. How does no one step in and say, listen, we probably should not be doing three consecutive Canadian Destroyers in this fucking matchup. How does no one say that? Does Tony Khan not say when they get to the back, listen, guys, we probably shouldn't be doing that because it just doesn't make much sense just because it's going to pop the crowd? That's indie-level bullshit. I mean, if people like the indie-level bullshit, I mean, that's cool. I think AEW overall is a great promotion. But it goes back to the question, how do you even grow the brand from here? I mean, that's a whole other separate question as far as AEW itself and not really punk-related, but... 
Punk or no Punk, I think the company will be fine without him. But I just feel like, personally, for me, and again, I don't work there, I never have, but it just seems like their backstage, backstage attitude with, like, the elite versus everyone else and the childish antics and shit. And this has got to be a widespread policy. If you get into any shit going forward or antagonize anyone, you're going to be either suspended or fired or disciplined, whatever. I'm glad Jack Perry's still, still suspended because he was part of the problem as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, the I, I feel like, like you said, it definitely should be some kind of repercussions or, or like, kind of a line set. I mean, Tony Khan's main thing was he felt threatened. That's why they got rid of Punk. I mean, it wasn't really, like, what happened. It was more like that kind of separate issue. But, I mean, I just, I don't understand how it gets to this point. And people, I think people are starting to now realize that Tony Khan, like, had a lot to do with it. But they just now are starting to say it. But, I mean... I, I just, I think, like you said, leaving Punk, leaving, I don't think it's really going to affect them at that much. I just feel like, depending on, like, how other people, I mean, people's contracts are going to come up or people's decisions to stay or not, maybe they're seeing the same things and they're just like, I'm going to be in that same situation, I might as well move on, or maybe this isn't for me, or mm-hmm. maybe I want to go somewhere that's more structured, or, I mean, I get it, like, you get more freedom, but, I mean, even if you have more creative freedom, doesn't mean it's good, like, I... Hey, John Moxley, as much freedom as you want, I think his run rate is one of the worst things I've ever seen. So, I mean, it is what it is, but, I mean, like you said before, I think I, I, I enjoyed his WWE run a thousand times more than I liked his AEW stuff. I mean, it is what it is, but, I mean, I think Punk leaving's not a, a killer, but it will be interesting to see what other people do once once their deals are up or, or what's going on. Yeah, because we haven't seen a lot of departures. We still don't know the reason why Cody Rhodes left AEW. We even said, I know he has said in the past on Raw and elsewhere, oh, I wanted to win the championship. My dad never did. And I wanted to take a risk, you know, and in, 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 in risk going to WWE and take a chance. That wasn't the sole reason. He said that in his documentary. He said that was a byproduct of the reason. And he said he's not going to say the reason. If that was the reason, he would have outright said that. He didn't. He said that he left for a personal issue. And at the time when he left, it was said that it was not because of Punk or the Elite. I don't know if that's a lie. I don't think it is. Um, I don't think he left because of CM Punk. Because CM Punk at that point didn't really seem like he was stirring up any shit. I mean, I mean, it seems like there were some stories back then, but nothing too major to cause that much of a rip that would cause him to leave as an EVP. That's a whole other separate issue. But we really haven't had a lot of departures. So for AEW to go ahead and fire this guy, their biggest star, I think objectively, they have a great roster. You can argue this guy's better than Punk at this or that or whatever. Their biggest draw, single biggest draw, has got to be CM Punk. I mean, merchandise-wise, no one moved more merchandise than he did. So that's pretty much a fact. And I'll talk about the part that he plays, uh, that Tony Khan plays in all of this. So again, to let Punk go is a pretty ballsy thing, and I'm glad they did the right thing because they they were justified in doing so. And I'll get to Tony Khan's part in a second, but let me ask you this side question I I forgot to ask you before. Do you think the timing of it was wise in that they've, you know, I've seen a lot of people say in the last week, why would he do this before the Chicago weekend? Why wouldn't he wait until next weekend? Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be in the minority here, dude, and I'm going to tell you, I think it was a bold-ass, brave decision. Not what he said exactly, which I'll get to in a second, but going out in front of the crowd and telling them, listen, Punk's not going to be here. Do not expect him. He will not be here tomorrow. He's fired. I think it it, it lowered expectations, because if you, if you wait until now to announce it, or Monday or next weekend, people will come out of All Out saying, it was a great show, but listen, I kind of expected Punk, and... That's the fans' fault, but why not get ahead of that and say, listen, he's not going to be here, he's gone. So I thought I actually respect the fact he got ahead of it. And again, what investigation is going to take months on end? I mean, it's pretty clear what happened at All In. Let the guy go or let him stay. And I'm glad they let him go, and I'm glad they did it when they did. So were you a fan of the timing, or do you think it was dumb to do it when he did? No, I think, I mean, like you said, I feel like it lowered expectations, and just, I mean... I feel like it was probably a year too late or a year... Like I said, I feel like the decision was the right one. Yes. It was basically at that point just ripped the Band-Aid off, but like I said, it should never even got to that point. So I think the, the decision was right, but like... I mean, like, the statement he read was clearly written by, like, a fucking lawyer. I mean, it was, mo- like, clearly reading off a teleprompter, reading off a piece of paper. I mean, had more lawyer lingo than, like... Uh, like, it's like a... Con- he, like, basically was like, re- like he was reading a contract. I mean, speaking of which, do you think there's going to be legal repercussions coming out of this and and why Tony Khan said what he did in that statement because he wants to make it clear, listen, I did fear for my life. Does that sound like an exaggeration to me? Absolutely. And listen, I can't say whether he was threatened for his life because he was there and I wasn't, but 
it sounds like an exaggeration. Do you think they included that on purpose and specifically emphasized that? He could have just come out there and said, listen, Punk's not here. I'm sorry, he's gone. He didn't have to explain it as much as he did. I'm not saying he should or shouldn't have, but he didn't have to is my point. Do you think he did that for a reason? Because they specifically said, not only in the written statement, but on the video that aired on Collision, and I think in the building as well, that they fired him with cause, which is the key words there. I mean, they didn't just let him go. I mean, they're not even going to pay him out for the rest of his contract. Again, those are the key words. Do you think he said that on purpose so they can prevent the lawsuit coming up? Do you think that's inevitable? No, yeah. I mean, the way that they said it's clearly for lawyer speak. I mean, fear for your life. I mean, unless CM Punk had a fucking machete in his hand or an AK-47, I mean, I I don't know how you'd be fearing for your life. You had plenty of people back there. It's not like... It was him and Tony Khan one-on-one. Like, is it Samoa Joe was there? The other talent were there? I mean, it seems a little dramatic. But I also, like you said, I think for legal purposes, like I said, it gives you cause. And it is what it is. But I think it was highly, highly dramatic. I mean, I doubt Tony Khan was ever in a fight or a confrontation. I mean, he's a rich kid. I, I, I don't think he's ever probably been in a circumstance to get like that. So maybe he was feared for his life. But I just, I feel like it was more saying that for lawyer speak to give cause like he was afraid and that's why we did it uh, listen I know he wasn't in the building he wasn't in the room rather when the brawl out incident happened last year I know he was doing the media scrum at that point kind of picking up the pieces after what CM Punk the pipe bomb that he dropped during that scrum but was not there, there were innocent parties involved in that too I mean Punk's dog was there I know it's an animal but you know still he had his dog there that woman, Mega Parka, um, the, I don't want to say legal advisor, I forgot her actual role, but she's like their legal representative or whatever <clears throat> in AEW. She was there apparently. Christopher Daniels was the one that broke it up. Why is it that this draws the line with Tony Khan as far as this is what causes us to fire Punk, whereas the incident that happened last year might have been even worse? I mean, we heard sides of the story this past week with the Jack Perry thing that he was lunged at or whatever. I, again, why would Punk... <clears throat> even have to lunge at Tony Khan if he wasn't involved. I don't know. That that whole thing is weird to me. I'm not saying he's lying or whatever, or the stories are lying, but why would he be lunging at Tony? Him threatening to quit makes sense, but like lunging at Khan for what? He was It was Jack Perry that way. I mean, I, I, so again, back to my original point. I'm all over the place here, but why is it that this is the incident, the brawl with Jack Perry, is what causes Punk to get fired, but not an incident that was probably worse a year ago that chair is being thrown around, this fucking moron Ace Steel is biting people, and he still works there. But this is what draws the line. I guess because he was there and he was a part of it, I feel like he should have had the same attitude towards this a year ago. I mean, I know you just said that, but I'm just echoing those thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, maybe it's just, like you said, there's more precedent now. It's like, it's the second time something like this has happened. I don't know. Like I said, maybe they they were out of the CM Punk business. I don't know. I really don't know like you said, it seems like last year's was worse, so I don't know if it was just like, hey, like this happened, we'll move on. Like now it's like become a pattern, and they're just like, we're out of the CM Punk business and just don't want to deal with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, the lunging thing, I feel like it could have been like, you could just go up, like turn around and be like, hey, I'm fucking out of here, or I quit, or like, that, like define lunging. Like that could be like him like turning and like moving his body, like it may be like a masculine or like a, a forward way, but like, Define lunge. I, I I feel like lunge. I feel when I hear lunge, I feel like I'm like going to grab you. Is like a lunge. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, did he still just like turn to him and say, you know what, I'm out here. I quit. And like Tony Khan, like shoot his pants. Like I don't know. Like I just feel like I said. I feel like it got to the point that I mean, he's clearly just on EVP side. I mean, we don't know why Cody left, but I mean, there were rumors before he left that they weren't getting involved, and CM Punk and them haven't got involved, and now CM Punk's gone. So I just. I, I, I don't know. I feel like at this point, just they might as well just move on because they're just not going to... It just doesn't seem like it's ever going to get any better. I think he's on everyone's side, and I don't think he should be on anyone's side at all. I think he should be on his own side as a boss and as the president of the company to not always give these people what they want. I feel like he gives everyone what they want. And I'm not saying he doesn't turn things down or say no to people. I mean, he doesn't renew every contract. He let go of Sonny Kiss's contract recently. He didn't re-sign them for the... the, the the sake of resigning them. They're never on TV, so why would you resign them? He made the right call and didn't resign the contract. It just makes as much sense as that. But like the Bucks resigned recently. They re- the entire elite resigned. Great. I think they should have, and that's a great get for AW. But why are they still EVPs? Coming off the shit from last year, and it doesn't sound like it's improved at all. Again, going back to Tony Khan's part that he played in all of this, I'm not saying he was going for sympathy, 
But when he says, I feared it was the one situation, he said this in the building to the fans, and he said that on Collision in that pre-tape promo. So he said it twice. And I don't know about in the press release, but he definitely said it twice. Where he said that I feared for my life. The only incident where I've been to a wrestling show and I, my life was in danger, whatever. Um, I don't have any sympathy for him at all in that case. Again, not that he's asking for it, but as I tweeted a couple days ago and as other people have said... I don't care because you brought this upon yourself. If you let the guy go a year ago, you would have never been put in that position for that incident at all in to even happen. I mean, they had to switch matches around, possibly. I mean, they ended up didn't ended up not doing that. Punk ended up going on first and actually winning, which is kind of funny in retrospect. And they had a great match and whatever. But, like, that wouldn't have even happened if you either let go of the guy. And listen, I'm all for second chances. There's a, there's a possibility if Punk was let go at that point... He would have either been back by now, re-signed by the company after some extensive therapy or something. The guy's clearly got anger issues. I don't know him personally, but it just seems like, again, not to make any claims, but that's just how it seems to me. I don't know if I would say mental health issues. That's what Kevin asked. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's clearly got some trust issues or something, and he has admitted as such before. Um, If you're going to bring the guy back, which is what he did in Collision, instead of... I mean, we knew it was just a disaster waiting to happen when you give the guy his own show with his own little friends and then he's banning people from the building. I don't give a fuck if Ryan Nemeth is there or not. But if you're going to fly the guy in and then tell him at the door, no, you're not needed here because Punk was upset over a tweet, which I'm not saying he wouldn't be bothered, but enough to fu- like get the guy out of the building is pretty fucking dumb. I mean, that is so stupid. I mean, I, I just really feel like he need to be more of a boss. And we said this earlier. I don't think we had it on on the recording. I think we said it before... We hit record here that as a boss, with that scheduled elite meeting that was supposed to happen in Atlanta right before All In, because he knew they would all be under the same roof of that pay-per-view, whether it was canceled or was never scheduled, it seems like the common denominator is that the elite didn't want to go through with it. If they were talent, okay. This guy wronged you, you don't want to deal with him, whatever. But even as EVPs, it's their responsibility to at least hear him out, not necessarily forgive him, but hear him out, and it's Tony Khan's responsibility to make sure that they're all in the same building under the same roof, coexisting, and not saying, oh, you don't want to do the meeting? Never mind. It's okay. I didn't really want to do it either. I mean, I just read that shit, and I'm thinking, that that's completely ridiculous. No, I completely agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to be a boss, but, I mean, like, even regardless if they don't want to, if they don't even get, if they're telling go on a punk, guess what? He's the boss. If he says you're working with him, you're working with him. If not, there's the fucking door. I mean, it's just... It's so childish, and I just don't understand how it got to this point. But like you said, I don't feel bad for Tony Khan. He put himself in this position. If you feel bad for him, then you're just an idiot. Yeah, no, I mean, this shit should have never happened. He should have gotten everyone involved in the incident in the same place at the same time a year ago. There should have never been any lawsuit about it. I mean, there could be a lawsuit, I guess, but have them talk it out, work out their issues, not put them in different classrooms because they just don't get along at lunchtime. I mean, this is fucking ridiculous. It should have never gotten to this point. And I reiterate that because I hope it doesn't happen again with someone else. Who's to say this doesn't happen again? Again, Punk is a a special case. He's had history with this sort of shit for decades. This is not anything necessarily new. But, I mean, there needs to be more structure here. I mean, with Andrade and Sammy Guevara, for example, and Sammy Guevara and Eddie Kingston, they put it on that uh, show they did, the the behind-the-scenes show a couple months ago, Sammy apologizing to Eddie. I could be wrong. I watched the show. It seemed like Sammy did that because he felt like it would have been the right thing to do. It did not seem like Tony Khan had a sit-down meeting with the two of them and said, listen, you better get along and we're going to work together here because if you don't, you guys are gone. You can't just go out there and fight people. Eddie Kingston, same thing. He seemed like he kind of went off. Sammy Guevara seems like a fucking little wiener. But, I mean, if you're going to... You can't fight people, though, especially at work. And you got to work the shit out like grown men. You know there's been backstage brawls in wrestling companies for decades and there's shit that we don't even hear about. But then they either work together for the betterment of the company, the betterment of the business, the betterment of the fans or whatever. And if they don't work together after that, at least they're not causing more issues. Tony Khan never nipped this in the bud when he should have. That was my biggest takeaway from this whole thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I just I, I just hope that they can figure it out. Like I said, Sam Gravar is in multiple incidents. I mean, I guess now that Punk's gone, there should be no drama, so we'll see where it goes, but I mean, at the end of the day, this is all Tony Khan's fault. Hey, Mark Henry said it himself on Busted Open Radio the other day, and he was saying it sarcastically, obviously, but he said, listen, the problem is gone. CM Punk is gone, the problem is gone. There should be no more complaining. Not within, like, the fans. The fans will complain regardless about whatever, 
But within the company, if that was your biggest problem, you thought he was the biggest thing holding back AEW, there should be no more issues, right? And I guarantee you, there will be. Because Tony Khan did the right thing and justifiably fired CM Punk and put on his big boy pants and did something about it. But, I mean, honestly, I felt like he was kind of forced to. He even said that he had to... I mean, honestly, I mean, listen, I'm not in that position. I don't run a company. And it's not an easy choice because that's your biggest star. You shouldn't even have to get a second and third opinion from an outside legal counsel as to whether to get rid of this guy. Why would he even have to get anyone else's opinion? The answer should be fucking no. If this was WWE and that happened in front of Vince, Vince would have fired your ass right there and you would never see that guy again. How would he even have to go through these... I guess it's a legal channel thing. Again, contracts, that's probably why. I get it. But, I mean, it should be an instinct reaction. No, this guy does not work here anymore. He should not work here anymore. But I know Tony Khan probably doesn't think like that because he's a mark for all these people and wants to be their best friend. No, yeah, I completely agree. That's not the end of it, though. Rumors came out a couple days later that he might be headed to WWE or that he at least wants to go to WWE. No word on whether WWE would be interested. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful did note that there's a lot of people in WWE on the talent side of the top of the roster that do not like CM Punk. And listen, I, I don't know any of them personally, and I don't know this for a fact, but we know Rollins made comments a couple months ago earlier this year. I thought that was in character. There's a chance that it couldn't have been in character. Roman Reigns has made a lot of comments about CM Punk. Doesn't fucking want him here. Doesn't think he's a draw. Is that a shoot or is that a work? Could be a bit of both. We don't know. Uh, the report indicated that Punk would want it to have worked because it was from late last year, not the report, but it was about Punk if the AEW thing didn't work out. I guess maybe to stick it to AEW, I guess. He was going to go to WWE and work with Kevin Owens, or wanted to work with Kevin Owens. And if that was the case, I mean, Kevin Owens is another guy. He's talked about Punk before. They had an incident back in Ring of Honor 20 years ago. Is Owens over it now? Probably. Is Punk over it? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Punk doesn't really seem like the guy to get over stuff. If you wrong him or you th- he thinks that you have wronged him even once, he will never get over it and hold a grudge. He's a big grudge guy, it seems like. William Regal didn't even do anything and it seemed like he he kind of uh, disrespected him by not shaking his hand about a year and a half ago. I mean, it stood for Triple H? Like, well, what is that about? It just seems silly. Your thoughts on uh, your reaction to the news that Punk may want back in the WWE and the fact it's all funny because this was the same guy even as recently as months ago did not like the way the WWE ran things, didn't think it'd be any different with Triple H in charge, the same guy that we heard about earlier this year going to Raw to apologize or talk to Triple H. I don't, the, the whole thing is very funny to me, and I'm, I'm a punk guy, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. I mean, I don't think they need to bring him in. I mean, if he, I, the thing is, like, he wants to come. Where else is he going to go? Is he going to go to fucking Impact? So, I mean... He could just never wrestle again. really a lot of places for him to go to begin with if you wanted to wrestle. I mean, I don't think he'd even go to New Japan because they have a relationship with AEW, so I doubt he'd go there. Um, but, I mean, I think it... I mean, it's a possibility. It's not like I overly want to see it, but, I mean, I just... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a possibility. I don't... I want to bank on it. I don't know. I just have a feeling it won't happen for some reason, but, I mean, I think it's definitely an opportunity. I mean... People could be mad at it, but I think in the WWE system, they would just have to deal with it. Do you think Punk is a liability to WWE if he goes there? And if he is a liability, which I think he is, do you think that it's worth them having him? Where to me, and I'll just say this quickly, I feel like if they were to bring him back, and I'm not advocating for it, I want to make that clear. I'm just saying if he were to come back, I'd be, obviously I'd be fine with it because I'm a fan of the guy. But I think it's manageable. I know we just, I, I'm well aware of everything that he was involved in, in AEW and probably more that we're not even privy to yet. The key word there being yet. But I think in WWE, like I said earlier, they at least have a structure to where, listen, if he's out of line at least once, I don't think their PR team's going to, like the AEW All Out scrum last year, you didn't see their PR team really stepping in and doing shit. Tony Khan sat right next to him and didn't say anything. Triple H was sitting right there, or Triple H was in the back, or we know WWE's PR team. They're pretty on point with stuff. I, I don't think he'd be able to get away with that. I'm not even sure if he thinks he could get away with that. I think he got away with a lot of the stuff in AEW because he knew he could. And that goes with everyone in that company. And WWE, they're a little too strict, but at least they're strict enough to where he knows, hopefully, that he wouldn't get away with that shit in that company. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't know if they do it or not, but I think it'd be more smoothly than it has been in AEW. And worst case scenario, if it goes and doesn't work out, then they just move on. I mean, yeah. I feel like there's no ne- like, 
I don't really think there's really any negative him coming in. And if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. It's not like he's running back to AEW anyway. So I think it's I think it's worth the listen. I mean, I wouldn't say don't do it. I don't think it'd be dumb to bring him in, but it just I think you just depend on what what's going on. I, I just don't think, listen, he has bad publicity in the sense that it seems like he's a pain in the ass to work with, but that was also the case 10 years ago in WWE. And if they were willing to bring him back, and the whole thing for the longest time was that they probably would have brought him back. He had conversations with people in WWE when he was considering coming back to wrestling two or three years ago, and he didn't go there because he didn't think, oh, it's still the same shit, it's still run the same way, they don't give a fuck, and all this other stuff. Listen, I know Triple H is largely in charge of creative now. I don't think it's the environment backstage is that much different now than it was a couple of years ago, especially with Vince still being in that company. I, I really don't think it's that different. Um, but if he's willing to go back to stick to AEW and say, listen, guys, you know, fuck the elite. I'm going to go make money over here and do good business for them. I think they should at least hear it out. Because, again, I think it's different bad publicity than if they brought back someone that got into, like, I mean, he was involved in legal trouble. But we're not talking about, like, Tessa Blanchard, who was like... Punk wasn't canceled. There's a difference there. Punk is a pain in the ass to work with, and he did a lot of... created a lot of drama backstage, but he didn't do anything that was cancelable, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to defend the guy, but I'm just saying I think there's a difference. I think they can't still make money off of him. It's not like they're bringing back Alberto Del fucking Rio, who was, who was accused of hitting his wife. And I say accused because I'm not sure it was proven because I think she took her statement. Whatever happened with him, with that piece of work. There's no use in bringing that guy back. Punk, I think they can make money off of him. He's still relevant now. We know that from his AEW run. And if they can keep him in check, then I think it's worth listening to. He might be miserable, but listen, he also wants to stick to AEW. The guy's going to be miserable either way. I mean, if there was any place to make him happy, it would have been AEW because they were he was given the keys to the kingdom there. And he still found a way to fuck it up. In WWE, I think the thing is hysterical because, I mean, the company sued him and he sued them back and all this other shit and he left. He thought the company almost killed him. But it goes back to what we've always said. They always come back eventually. doesn't matter if it's the Warrior, Bruno. They all come back eventually. And uh, I I don't think Punk is going to be any different. I'm not advocating he is coming back, but I think there's a pretty good chance we see him back at some point, even if it takes, you know, another year or two, but it will probably be before that. No, I completely agree. I think, I don't think there's any, you know, like I said, even if he came in and it didn't work out after like six months or a year, I still think they can make money off him that it would be worth to try it. Survivor Series is too soon, right, in Chicago? Or no? Uh, If he was legally able to, that is. Yeah, I was going to say, realistically, it just depends on his, yeah, I mean, I think depending on his, non-compete if he has one i'm not sure how it works legally with the firing or just cause or whatever you want to call it so i mean if if you could get him i think it makes sense i mean i wouldn't say no to that um but um yeah i I mean if you could get him i think it'd it'd be worth it show closes roman reigns walking back up the ramp and confronts cm punk hey fuck finishing the story right Oh, Jesus. Hey, your next 2024 winner of the Royal Rumble, CM Punk. The same match that he left in 10 years ago. He's back almost exactly 10 years to the day and uh, wins the whole thing. Hey, listen, to quote that little kid from Angels in the Outfield, it could happen. Uh, Let's move on here as we wind down in the uh, second half of the show. I know it was very punk-heavy today. We did have two pay-per-views over the weekend, All Out and, and Payback. I know you caught up on Payback on Monday. You were at a wedding this weekend. You weren't around live for this stuff. Did you catch any of All Out on Sunday after the fact? I saw some like bits and pieces of it, but not a ton. What What did you see? Or was there anything that you liked or did not like? Um, trying to think. I liked the strap match with Ricky Starks and and Brian. Thought that was really good. Um, trying to think what else I saw. I feel like the two shows just really messed up my my memory. Mm-hmm. From what I saw, I was I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, like I, said, I didn't see a ton, but from what I saw, it was pretty good. I mean, like I said, I, I didn't really know why they did back-to-back pay-per-views when they, I mean, I could only imagine spending $50 on this show a week after you bought the other one, but, I mean, for what it was, it was fine, um, but, I mean, I thought it was a decent show for what um, I saw. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good show. I thought it was better than I thought it would be. Um, I don't, Listen, I, I, I get these shows anyway, so 
it is what it is. I mean, I guess I'm not one to really speak, but they had a pay-per-view the week before, and they had another one this week. I thought this was actually better than All In, but they were also expecting you to pay 50 bucks on this Wrestle Dream show coming up on October 1st involving New Japan. It sounds like another Forbidden Door-esque show. I know it's a tribute show to Inoki, Antonio Inoki, who passed away exactly a year ago from that date. Um, you know, that's cool and all, but I'm just thinking, like, Warner Brothers is up in the price, or not even up in the price of the pay-per-views. They're upping the amount of pay-per-views AEW does. Forbidden Door is one thing. All in, okay. A Wrestle Dream show? I don't know, man. And it also doesn't sound like they're going to be moving from this going forward. Tony Khan made it kind of sound like in that post-show media conference after All Out, oh, it worked, and we got over 100000 we met my goal, so yeah, we're definitely going to do this again next year. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like... All Out, this was a great show. It was not necessary. It really wasn't. There were a lot of good matches. I really liked Omega and Takeshka specifically. The Danielson-Stark match was awesome. It's it's not necessary. You don't need two shows back-to-back. What fucking company does that? WWE's done it before, and it was dumb. I don't care if you get great matches out of it. I get great matches by watching on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Who gives a shit? If I don't get great matches on Sunday, I'm not going to die. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. I just think doing back-to-back pay-per-views is quite silly, but that's just me. I did enjoy the show, though. Uh, do you think they can really capitalize off that Ricky Starks performance and kind of make him a bigger player on the collision show going forward, even in defeat to Danielson at uh, All Out? Um, I mean, I think it's possible. I feel like it really just depends on what they do now. I feel like, like you said, I mean, collision was basically a punk show, so now it's like we guess we got to see what's going to turn into. I mean, I feel like this week's episode was kind of like that, and it felt like dynamite light, so... We'll see what happens. I mean, I think he's definitely one of the brighter future guys, but we've also said that, and then they, like, dropped the ball on him. I feel like he was kind of a big punk guy, so that's why he kind of got the spot he's in now. Mm-hmm. But I think what what happened with him and Brian definitely has the ability to be, like, a future star. Yeah, with a turning point for his career, and he's already got a lot of big wins under his belt. He's beaten Punk before. He beat, you know, Jericho twice earlier this year, I think, clean, and didn't do a lot for him at that time. Uh, the follow-up was kind of non-existent. I don't even think he was a double or nothing, and if he was, he was in a battle royal. Another pointless battle royal, but um, he's a guy they can build around. He's great. We talked about it before. We talked about him before. We've sung his praises before. He's excellent. Uh, I, I hope they do capitalize off that performance because the match was great, and I'm not a big, you know, I beat you up, you beat me up type thing, and I know you hate that stuff. I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. They kind of did that there, but there was no story, really, because the story was with Punk, and he was gone. Um, I do think Danielson can really step up and be what Punk was to that company. Not that he wasn't before, but before Punk left, he was doing the BCC stuff, and he still is, but, you know, he was kind of a background guy, and I know he beat Okada a couple months ago. We need more of Danielson on his own, like Punk was. Punk wasn't involved in the faction bullshit. Um, I don't think Danielson should be either. He could still be in the BCC, but he should be kind of going off and doing his own thing and working with people like Ricky Starks instead of working like the tag teams and the six-mans and shit like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Less of him in the BCC, better. Yeah, more of what we got on Sunday and more of what we got at Forbidden Door would be ideal. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on Payback on uh, Saturday at night? I liked it. I thought it was a pretty solid show. Um, I thought, yeah, I mean, that's what I thought. I, th- I mean, for the build and what was on there, I think we had six matches. I thought they all were good to pretty good and no complaints. I would agree. I enjoyed the show for what it was. Uh, nothing too mind-blowing, but it was it was fun for what it was. Uh, Becky and Trish, I thought they had an excellent match to kind of close off the feud. What do you think about that? That match was ridiculous. Um, I mean, I didn't watch it the first night, so I actually had watched it on Monday with my mm-hmm. dad. And he had already watched it, and I was going to just skip it because I already knew Becky had won. Yeah. He's like, no, you got to watch it. This is really good. I mean, he, like I said, he's pretty casual, so yeah. he was like that. I'm like, okay, and then, we got into it, and I was like, Jesus Christ. Honestly, I'm, I was, I'm very impressed with the bumps that Trish talked. I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Like, I thought it was done very well. I mean, the Zoe Stark interference could have probably not happened, but I guess it set up, I guess, a seemingly babyface turn. I don't know where we're going on Raw, but that's what it kind of felt like to me. But uh, Becky winning here, I think, was a nice end to the feud. Seemingly, she's going down to NXT. I think it makes sense for now. I mean, she never won the NXT the belt, so maybe she'll just win that, spend some time down there. There really isn't much for her to do on Raw. I mean, if she's not facing Rhea, then there really isn't any heels for her to face, so I get it. Um, but no, I thought it was a good match, good match for Trish. I kind of wish we got this at SummerSlam instead of Shayna and Ronda, but 
I guess we had to wait a little a little bit longer. But for how mad the feud was, I thought this match was very good and a good way to end the feud. I agree. They did a great job of blowing it off. And, um, you know, they did a great job of blowing it off. And after the mad feud that they had, like you said, I thought they had a really, really good match. And that was it for Trish, which I'm not sure it was. She went out on a high note. She went out on a high note with Charlotte four years ago. But, you know, I wouldn't complain if this was indeed it for her because this was the culmination of a months-long feud. A feud that wasn't great, but, you know, she had some good moments and this was a great match. Great way to kick off the show and uh, might have been the best match in the whole show. But we also had a Steel City street fight, you know. Rey Mysterio beating Theory to retain the U.S. title. Knight beating Miz. Fine stuff. Uh, this was another excellent match, though. The Steel City street fight for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. It has some hokey stuff with the hockey jerseys. I mean, listen, I'm not a big fan of that stuff, but I thought it was fine here. Kevin Owens blooding a gusher at one point. Uh, you don't see that often in WWE, so I thought that was cool. They immediately cleaned it up, which was a bummer. But Judgment Day surprisingly coming out on top. I think we got all of our other predictions correct, you and I did, because uh, we both agreed on everything when you texted me your predictions last week. We did not predict these two going over as the new tag team champions, and now it appears Judgment Day is back on the same page, if only for a little while longer. Yeah, no, I thought this was good. Um, like I said, the kind of like the hokey hockey stuff. I mean, I don't really care for it. Kind of is what it is. Um, I, I, I like, yeah. I mean, we neither of us had them winning. Didn't love that Owens. I, I don't. It wasn't that I was mad that they lost. I think it was just the way they lost. Like so much interference. I fucking can't stand it. <laughs> I just feel like this was so overbooked with the interference. Like. It just was a little much for my liking. I just, like, we have Rhea come in, and then Dominic, like, a thousand times, and J.D. McDonough, and they finally win. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I get it. Like, that's, like, the heel thing to do. Like, the heel faction, like, they cheat to win. But, like, when we saw that with the blood, we've been seeing that with the bloodline for so long, and now we have to get that with Judgment Day. It's just, like, I don't know. It's kind of overdone at this point, if you ask me. No, I understand. I didn't mind it in this case because I thought it added to the matchup, but typically I would say the same thing. You're not wrong for thinking or feeling that way. Um, yeah, there was a lot of interference. It was overbooked to shit, but I, I enjoyed it, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by the outcome. I wouldn't have cut the short of Owens and Zayn. I wouldn't have cut it short so quickly. I know it's been five months, but they could have done more. Do you think this leads to a, uh, a War Games match, maybe, at Survivor Series involving them? I think the Judgment Day stuff is uh, doesn't seem like it's close to being over, as, as we originally thought. No, yeah, I mean, people were talking about it. I think it's definitely possible. Um, I mean, we haven't really got, like, if that's what we're getting at Survivor Series. So, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. Um, I mean, it'd be Zane, uh, Owens... Uso and Cody? Yeah, I think so. Back? Unless Cody goes to SmackDown, but yeah. Or Rollins. Or Rollins, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down. I think that would be good. I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, I, I at this point, we're definitely getting JD in the Judgment Day, it seems. So, it would be the 4v4. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down. It's a good spot for them to be in WWE because they're not advertising a War Games match for Survivor Series this year. It's not branded as Survivor Series War Games, which I like. And listen, I liked an NXT as an annual event for a few years, but I've also been saying for the last year when we were there last year, and it was great, you don't need to do it on the same show every year. You don't. It should not. It's this. If, if you're going to complain about Hell in a Cell, War Games should be no different. I think they only bring it back when it makes sense. And this year, it just so happens to be at Survivor Series with where the story is, because I don't think they're going to do it at fucking Fastlane. I mean, that would be stupid. Could they um, do it at Crown Jewel or whatever the fuck the pay-per-view is? They could. They could do it at the Saudi show. Uh, I mean, they haven't announced it yet, which is weird. The weird thing is that they've already announced Survivor Series, and it was announced a while ago for Chicago. But they haven't announced the Saudi show. And you think if they were doing a Saudi show, it's early September. They would have done it by now. So I'm kind of starting to doubt that they are doing one, which is strange. Uh, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, it's possible. They could do it there. They could do it at Survivor Series. Survivor Series might be waiting a little bit too long. That's like two and a half months, and they're already kind of going in that direction with the Judgment Day stuff. I don't know if we can wait another two and a half months. But let's talk about that quickly. Jay Uso on the Raw roster, as you mentioned, Cody Rhodes having a big announcement of the Grayson Waller effect. Jay Uso, now a member of the Raw roster, after quitting SmackDown and the entire company um, three weeks ago, you, felt, you would think he was gone for months. He's only gone for less than a month. Uh, got a great reaction, new music, a la Jimmy on SmackDown, same thing. Great presentation. Laid out Grayson Waller, loved his first Raw segment, reuniting with Sammy, embraced him in a hug. 
Teasing tension with Drew and Matt Riddle, though, because he was a big part of the problem why they kept losing to Roman Reigns and uh, also taking out Randy Orton last year for talking about Riddle. And Drew also said backstage, if Jay's out of line, if he steps out of line, I'm going after Cody. So I like, I, I, there's a lot of different ways they can go with this. We also don't know how Kevin Owens is going to react because he wasn't on Raw this week. So I, I thought this was a really cool development, something I was not expecting. No, this was good. I went fucking bananas when he came out. I mean, I'm, I'm like a huge Jey Uso mark. So when he came out, loved the new music, liked the change in the Raw. I mean, seemingly this will keep him busy until they probably do him and Jimmy at WrestleMania, but a la Mysterio's from last year. But I like it. I think it's different. I think he can flourish on his own or be with Sammy, I guess you want to call it. Cody, I guess, has some alignment with him as well. Um, but I think he can be a, a, one of the top baby faces for Raw. Um, Jay, Jimmy's still on SmackDown. He's going to be heel. Still kind of tease some kind of relationship with Solo on SmackDown. So I think that will help him kind of flourish on his own. I think Jay is a baby face. I think he doesn't really need the bloodline. I think Jimmy will need it more just because I feel like he needs more credibility right now. But I think it was a good start. Like you said, Raw, like, tease more stuff. I don't really know what direction it's going in, but I, I, I thought it was a good comeback, and I, I can't wait to see Jay on his own. I thought it was cool. I thought they did a good job with it and uh, got a great reaction. It wasn't what I would have done a month ago, and it does feel very similar to the Ray and Dominic stuff from last year. Kind of lazy, but listen, if they can make the most of it and push Jay on his own, I won't complain. Um, he got a great reaction at the pay-per-view and on Raw, so again, if they can make the most of it and push him on his own, then I'm all for it. But kind of on that same note, as we wind down here, last question for you. On Raw this week, Gunter beating Gable in another excellent match, this time to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Therefore, going on to break the record as of today or tomorrow or Friday as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. The 35-year record of the Honky Tonk Man is dead. And Gunter will reign on, long live Gunter as the Intercontinental Champion, until maybe Jey Uso steps up. I know you mentioned they're going to be killing time with Jay and Jimmy until Mania before the big brother versus brother match. But do you think in the meantime he could be the one to take the Intercontinental Championship from Gunter? And not only could he, do you want to see that happen necessarily? Oh, uh, yeah, for both ends. I mean, I think <laughs> that helped. Well, I think it just also would help his credibility as a singles guy. I mean, Grayson Waller literally said as a singles guy, you've done literally nothing. Um, I mean, he's contending against Roman a few times, never won anything. He had that match against Theory and, like, seemingly was going to win until he got screwed. So, I mean, I think it'd be nice. I think he'd be good to beat Gunther. And then, like, Gunther can go on to World Heavyweight Championship aspirations. Jay can hold it for a little bit. Um, and then, I mean, basically hold until we kind of heat up him and Jimmy again. So I think it'd be good maybe costing him the belt as Jimmy getting back at him and we lead into WrestleMania. So I'm definitely down. I'm definitely down to a certain extent. I don't know. Jey Uso isn't my number one pick. I still, I mean, listen, I'm a mark. I want Chad Gable to be the one to uh, beat Gunter maybe on pay-per-view at some point, maybe down the road. Who knows? Cut a great promo on .com after the show was over. But you can't go wrong with Jey Uso either. You got options, and that's key. Uh, we'll have a lot more to discuss next week, Mr. Marceau. No pay-per-views. Thank fucking God. No more pay-per-views for a while um, until, uh, you know, NXT's got a show coming up. But beyond that, payback in early October, that whatever this wrestle dream is, that's in October. This is September. Let's enjoy the rest of the month. Uh, new episodes every single week, every single Thursday here on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, uh, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora. Google Play, all that good shit. Be sure to check out the shows every single week. Uh, subscribe. It's greatly appreciated. Mr. Marceau, brother, always an awesome time. Try to relax and catch up on some stuff, and I'll talk to you soon. See you later, man. See you, brother. See you, brother.